Hello everybody and thank you for joining me on this new episode of The Daily Optimist. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, and today's episode unfortunately comes after a mass shooting in Colorado that happened yesterday uh, late afternoon here on the East Coast. Um, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute and you know I was just talking about how we need to heal and things of that nature yesterday and and we need that even more today we need that healing so um, you know continue that journey of healing and uh, whether it's just for yourself or the ability to help somebody else in that we are in a very very raw time very tense time and not just here in the US but across the globe and uh, there are so many instances that we all need to find and work towards a better future for all of us. Uh, so that's I'm gonna get to that story in just a minute. But of course, it's another day in Women's History Month here in the U.S. So I'm gonna give you a quick Women's History Month fact, even though this should be an all-the-time history fact because Women's History is history and part of everything. So, real quick, the gender pay gap still persists, according to womensday.com. And uh, there are also more women who are earning bachelor's degrees than men. Uh, that was data released in 2018. I don't know how it's changed since then. But also, um, so, with that said, the pay gap has continued to stay the same. And for women who work full-time and year-round, they're paid about 82 cents for every dollar that a man makes without the gap widening. Uh, with that gap widening, rather, even more for women of color. And that's according to the National Women's Law Center. 82 cents for every dollar that a man makes. Um, that is pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. I don't understand that. Hopefully we will get that closed and make that more equitable for all all right well i'm gonna get to it i'll be back in just a moment and we'll get into the news of the day thank you for joining me my name of course is elijah manning and you are listening to the daily optimist So before I get to the story uh, of the gunman in Colorado, in the U.S., um, there are lockdowns for the coronavirus that are happening again uh, in many countries in particular. There are some European countries that are having it happen. In Italy, there's a lockdown again, I know. And um, Germany now is, is doing a, a lockdown and they say it's because of the um, the British mutation. Uh, so Angela Merkel, she is the German chancellor, she said, We are now basically in a new pandemic. The British mutation has become dominant. So she went on to say, fundamentally, fundamentally, we face a new virus of the same kind, but with very different characteristics. More deadly, more infectious, and infectious for longer. So they are doing a lockdown, uh, basically until april 18th they've extended it to 
and they have called on citizens to stay home, according to the NPR.org article, and for shops to close for five days over the Easter holiday as they attempt to, um, you know, break the trend of rising numbers. There's been uh, uptick in infections. And it's with 107 cases per 100,000 people reported for the week until Monday. And then more than 3,000 people with COVID-19 are in intensive care. That is according to Reuters. Um, So they're going to have to go back to do Easter services online, probably like they had to do last year. Um, There's no more than five adults from two households will be allowed to meet over the holiday. And that most shops will be closed closed, and that's according to Deutsche Welle. Um, 9% of Germans have received at least one dose of vaccine so far, Reuters says, but they've had issues getting the vaccines there and getting them distributed. Um, So I'm not certain exactly, but that seems to be part of the issue, is they're not getting the vaccine quickly enough uh, to the country and distributed quickly enough to the citizens. Um, And then, of course, you know, they were um, looking to the AstraZeneca one, and that one's kind of come under a little bit of scrutiny recently as there was a 79% efficacy rate in preventing COVID-19, but um, there was some data that was supposedly, like, outdated, I believe is what happened. So AstraZeneca is working to correct whatever statement or uh, rather whatever data that was not actually uh, reviewed correctly so they're working on that hopefully it comes out that um everything is going to be fine and and the vaccine will be uh will be working excuse me so um now i'm going to switch to what happened in colorado just yesterday and uh the police have uh identified all 10 victims who have uh, died. Um, They are range in age from 20 to 65. And their names were Denny Strong, Nevin Stanisic. Denny Strong was 20. Nevin Stanisic was 23. Ricky Olds was 25. Trelana Bartakowicz, 49. Suzanne Fountain was 59. Terry Liker was 51. Uh, Officer Eric Talley was 51. Kevin Mahoney was 61. Lynn Murray was 62. And Jody Waters was 65. They're charging the suspect with 10 counts of murder. They have identified the suspect um, as Ahmed Aliwi Alisa. I could be mispronouncing. Um, he's from Avarda, a suburb of Denver, Colorado. They haven't yet identified a, a motive, but um, there's supposedly a story that I was looking at um, that says they went to the house and were investigating, and supposedly his brother um, was saying that he was always paranoid and always looking over his shoulder, saying people were following him and things of that nature. Um I don't know much about what happened, and, and there's no, like I said, there's no motive yet. Um, but if if he was truly a, a paranoid individual, perhaps he was suffering some mental illness. And 
Of course, this is going to spark the gun debate again. Um, Ted Cruz is actually looking to um, strengthen, uh, reintroduce legislation to strengthen background checks again. That's according to the CNN article. So we know that there have been issues in the U.S. with gun control over the past, well, let's say ever. And, you know, um, this is not an isolated incident. This is one that basically happens multiple times a year in the U.S. We just had the killing of Asian Americans. Um, They weren't the only ones, but mostly Asian American women. Six of them died in in Atlanta with the killing. I don't know what type of gun was used there. Um, Supposedly this one was an assault rifle. Uh, But, you know, myself, I am for more stricter gun control. But what that means is, for me, it means... We don't need AR-15s on the streets in civilians' hands. I don't think we should be able to have those. Now, I'm I'm for, like, if you are, are a hunter to having a, a regular-style hunting rifle, not an AR-15. I'm okay with handguns and things of that nature, shotgun. But I'm also, like, you don't need to stockpile these guns. I'm for the ability to go and shoot them at... Uh, you know, specific places designated that could have an AR-15. If you want to shoot an AR-15 at some range, because I know there's a lot of this country that has open territory, you know, in the Midwest where people can, you know, go and shoot guns. And if you want to go and shoot an AR-15 in a controlled situation like that, I'm all for that. But I just don't think that they should be in the hands uh, and homes of civilians. I think there just need to be stricter regulations on guns, and I think it needs to be more federally regulated instead of just state by state, because part of the issue is you can get a gun in one state and just drive it across state lines to um, to use in, in the state that you're from or wherever the case may be. And if we don't do something about this, it's going to continue, and I mean it has continued for years. And Colorado has a has a very checkered history with with um mass mass violence on this nature this is not a isolated incident in Colorado and we need to care we need to care these people that died grocery shopping we need to care about them you know there are school shootings that have happened when when we didn't do anything about Newtown, that was one of those moments where it was, we just don't care. We think guns are more important and we politicize it. And it shouldn't be a matter of politics. It should be a matter of, what are we doing to help stop killing each other like that? Better mental health resources. Better ways for people to to, uh, you know, have jobs or, or things of that nature. And I know a lot of this is easier said than done. And the pandemic didn't help at all. It's it's hurt and it's exacerbated situations for, for mental health issues and uh, for working conditions or, 
or jobs in general. And if we don't start really taking stock and finding ways that we can help, we're just going to continue to watch this. And I myself don't want to. I will pay attention, but I don't want to see this anymore. We have to do something. All right. I'll be back in just a minute. And we're going to switch over to positive. Back in a moment. Time for some positive news. All right, so... There's a positive story that comes from Southwest Airlines, and it comes from California, Texas, and uh, uh, Arkansas. So what happened was, there was a, according to the article from the Washington Post, there was a two-year-old boy who uh, was traveling with his family as they went to, uh, from California to uh, Texas for a funeral for a family member. And the young boy lost his Buzz Lightyear. So, uh, you know, they didn't know where they lost it. Everything was frantic because of how fast they had to get the move, uh, the flight together because the, um, the individual who died, the family member who died, it was a sudden. And it all, so they it all moved very fast. So Ashley Davis, she says, my uncle's, my husband's uncle passed away very suddenly. It was all very fast. And that's in response to um, her needing to move quickly to uh, get them there. And in what happened is he lost the um, Buzz Lightyear, the young boy did, Hagen, who was two years old. And uh, his mother said that Buzz was on a special mission and basically would return to him shortly. And meaning that she was basically going to have to go buy a new one. So what happened is, uh, at the Southwest Airlines ramp in uh, Clinton National Airport in Little Rock, Arkansas, there was a Jason William Hamm, he's a ramp agent there, and he and another worker, Beth Buchanan, they found the Buzz Lightyear. Now, Buchanan said, it was the last flight of the night, and we always have to go through and make sure people don't leave anything. They always do. And while sweeping uh, up through the cabin, she found the little action figure, and it's it read Hagen, which is the boy's name, on the bottom of the boot, which is, of course, similar to what Andy did in Toy Story. So, she said, I was thinking about how this little boy is missing his little buddy. So, that's when Ham, he got involved. And he immediately they started to look up the passenger list and you know for the somebody with the name of Hagen and they found that he lived in California. So he's like, well, we got to get it back to him somehow. So they emailed. Uh, he emailed the the family and said that they found Buzz and he wanted to return it to him. So they you know got the address to return it. But while he was waiting for the family to respond he decided he was going to get creative. Uh, so he he basically put Buzz on a mission, and he took pictures of him on, on the tarmac by a plane, in the cockpit, and some various other ways, and uh, <laughs> on an engine. 
And of course, you know, he's like, this would be great, you know, like to prove that he was actually on a little mission. And then he wrote him a little letter that said, To Commander Hagen, I am very excited to return to you upon completing my mission. I was able to explore the airport and spaceport in Little Rock, Arkansas while I was away. And I have included photos of my adventure. My journey has taught me a lot, but I am so thankful to return to my buddy. To infinity and beyond, your buddy, Buzz Lightyear. So he wrote it as Buzz Lightyear to be returned. He even uh, drew all over the box with sayings from the, the show... Uh, from the movies, rather, and from, you know, like, during stars and all sorts of space fun. And then, you know, he says he did this basically because he says, I have an autistic son and he gets attached to toys. If he loses a toy, I know how hard it is for him. He has two children, ages 15 and 12, Ham does. And, you know, he, he got his idea to do this from his own parenting experiences. So he sent it back and... The mother, Miss Davis, says, I cried when I opened it. You could see all the love he put into it. And then, of course, Hagen was just so pleased to have it back. And, you know, she recorded it. And they sent the video of his reaction to uh, Jason Hamm with uh, Hagen saying, Thank you, Jason, as he's happy with his toy. And um, Ham says, When they sent the video, that made me tear up. How can you not love that? And uh, Ms. Davis says, for Jason to go above and beyond for someone who did not, someone he did not know, and to take that much time and effort, it's just incredible. So there's a nice heartwarming story of of people helping people. My uh, next story is about another helping situation, and it comes from Florida. And there is a uh, a young lady named Toriel Norwood. And she's posing with, or she's with her friend Azaria Simmons. And what happened was, Toriel Norwood saved her best friend's life just a couple days after completing a basic life support class at, at her high school. That's according to the CNN article. And then she says, I never would have thought that I would be the one out of all the students in my class to have to perform it on someone. So what happened is they were driving home, they got into an accident. You know, her and some friends jumped out of the car and were making a way and then realized that one of the friends was not with them. So she ran back to the car. She says, when I turned around, I didn't see Azaria running with us. So I had to run back to the car as fast as I can. She was just sitting there unresponsive. So she pulled her out, said, you know, told everybody to back up. She needs space. Pulled her out, checked for a pulse and didn't hear breathing or anything. So she gave 30 compressions and two rescue breaths. And then Simmons regained consciousness. And then, of course, the paramedics came. And um, Simmons says, I don't remember the hit or anything about uh, the accident. But when I woke up, I was in the hospital. I was in shock. I was trying to figure out how I got there. You know, um, the article goes into detail about how they took the class and, and everything to prepare them for that moment. Um, they have been friends since seventh grade. And, you know, thankfully... Her quick thinking helped her friend, uh, helped her save her friend's life. And Simmons said she was, she will always help anyone any way she can to help anybody, even if it wasn't me. If, uh, if it was someone else and she knew she could do something to help, she would. So I wasn't really shocked about that. They both actually planned to pursue careers in the medical field. And Norwood herself said, I do want to be a nurse. I know that if somebody was in need or of help, I'd go to the rescue. 
So thank you for helping out your friend rescuing them. All right. So those are some positive stories of helping each other. My quote, or my step rather, is going to be about, I know we talked about helping yesterday, um, healing and, and yesterday. And today I want to talk to you about as you start healing, it's going to start taking you maybe on a new journey, okay? And that new journey may be different than where you intended it to be, where you thought you would be, and maybe it has completely changed your life in ways that you didn't know you both needed or desired, and it's you know doing wonderful things for you. All right, so that journey is important. You don't always have to worry about where it's going to end. Just worry about right now where it's starting, okay? And as you're healing, this is your starting point. The start of your new journey is with that healing. So these two go together, yesterday's healing and today's journey. They go together because you can't start your new journey until you've started healing. And that is your first step in this new journey. So think of it in that way, okay? This healing process is the start of your journey. And maybe it will lead you to healing and helping others. Maybe it's just going to continue to help you and heal you for the time. Whatever the case may be, this is the start of your new journey, okay? And my quote is going to come from Ella Maillart. And she was a Swiss adventurer travel writer and photographer as well as a sportswoman and her Ella Maillart and her quote goes like this the benefits of the accomplished journey cannot be weighed in terms of perfect moments but in terms of how this journey affects and changes our character one more time the benefits of the accomplished journey cannot be weighed in terms of perfect moments but in terms of how this journey affects and changes our character. And when I was talking about the healing, that's what I mean. How are we changing? How is it affecting us? How are we growing in different ways? And you know, there's going to be ups and downs in your journey. There could be perfect moments, but that's not what matters. What matters is how you've been able to change and grow. You got this. I know you do. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Daily Optimist. I appreciate each and every one of you. As always, please rate, subscribe, and share. Rate so other people can find it. Subscribe so you never miss it. And share with anybody who needs a little optimism and positivity in their day. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Start your new journey. I appreciate you all. Until next time, everybody. Please be well.